What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This week, we are back with episode 93, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC Northfolk card going down this Saturday, February 29th, 2020, with the first of the 12 fights starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. This event will take place in Northfolk, Virginia. 12 fights, all on ESPN+. Prelims start at 5 p.m. Eastern, with the main card starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. And it is headlined by a vacant flyweight championship title fight between Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueredo. I cannot wait for this fight. It's one of the best fights in MMA you can make right now. And we got a pretty decent card to go along with it with some fun matchups. Uh, a lot of less memorable names on the card. A lot of debuting fighters. But I still think we're in for a good night of fights. And I mean, the first fight of the night is a great fight. So we'll start right there in the welterweight division. We have Ismail Nardiev, who is 19 and 3, taking on Sean Brady, who is 11 and 0. The opening betting line for this one was Nardiev, the minus 150 favorite, to Brady plus 120. Right now, we are seeing Nardiev minus 125, Brady plus 105. So more action coming in on Brady, although there is two way action on this fight. A uh, really close fight. Uh, I think the early action came in on Nardiev, and then he's been since then uh, the action's been coming in on Sh- uh, Sean Brady. And I agree with the action coming in on Sean Brady. I think that uh, this is such a close fight. You, if you're getting plus money on either side, it, it might be a good bet after all things are said and done. And I just think that uh, this is a good matchup for Brady because. The striking in this fight should be pretty close. I mean, I think that Nardiev is the better overall striker. He throws kicks and knees better. He has good spinning back kicks. Uh, but Brady is just a better boxer. He has better defense, uh, better power when he's thrown, uh, and better combinations, I think, in the boxing department. So I think this fight is going to be a battle of ranges. Nardiev's going to try to keep it at kicking distance, and uh, Brady's going to try to get in the pocket and try to box. And uh Nardiev is known to hit uh, takedowns. He also has really good takedown defense. Brady has very good takedown defense as well. Really strong guy. Low center of gravity. Good base. Good digging underhooks and stuff and takedowns. And Brady uh, really upped his output in his debut uh, decision win over Court McGee. But, I mean, that fight was pretty close. He, he Round three, he lost pretty clearly. And even round two was a close round. But, I mean, Brady... Uh, really improved his output from his CFFC fights. I thought he threw a lot more strikes that fight, and he definitely slowed down a little bit in the third, but Nardiev tends to slow in the third as well, so... I'm slightly leaning Brady in this fight. I just think that he will be the more effective striker. I think the fight will take place in boxing range most of the time. And I just think that Brady will be the better boxer there. I'm interested to see how the level changes go in this fight. Both guys can hit offensive takedowns. Both are good at defending them. So I think it's more likely to stay on the feet. Or I'm going to pick Brady to uh, to edge these rounds uh, by landing the more effective uh, punches on the feet. So the pick is going to be Brady by decision. But it's not a confident pick. And I probably won't even bet this fight despite thinking that Brady wins at plus 105 but it's just too close to to pick between the two right now and to bet so the pick is a Brady decision the next fight is in the featherweight division we have Erlon Cruz who is eight and two taking on Spike Carlisle who is eight and one the opening line for this one was Cruz the favorite at minus 130 to Carlisle plus 100 Right now we are seeing Cruz minus 185, Carlisle plus 160, so way more action coming in on Cruz. I agree with the line movement here. Carlisle's coming in on a short notice, and Cruz is coming off of a very impressive knockout win on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Really impressive what I saw from Cruz. 
He's an orthodox striker, really tall and long. He switches stances and throws really good strikes from both stances, throws a lot of front kicks. And what I love about his striking style is that he throws like everything at 70% power. He doesn't throw too hard, and that's why he was able to knock out um, – Steve Nguyen or whatever the guy's name was in the third round of that fight because he doesn't throw too much power he doesn't tire himself out and he attempted well over 300 strikes in that fight and he was still able to knock Nguyen out in the last minute of that fight just a crazy performance in that fight and then in his fight against Gui Curry as well he was taken down early in that one but used a butterfly sweep to get backed up to his feet and then started stuffing takedowns ended up on top hitting his own takedowns and out grappling Curry in that as that fight went on so he's got the ability to stuff takedown stay off his back get off of his back if he gets taken down and moving over to carlisle here he is a kind of a confusing fighter not much footage of him out there but he came out really aggressive uh, versus colquin was working super hard for a takedown he was uh, getting stuffed he eventually hit a sloppy judo throw but he couldn't keep top position i mean he was going hard for these takedowns and he was failing it looked like he was about to lose this fight and then he hits a spinning back fist out of nowhere and and knocks this guy out cold it was one of the luckiest wins i've ever seen in mma it was so random and out of nowhere i mean carlisle striking is not good his his takedowns don't look good his top position doesn't look good and it seems like carlisle uh, or maybe round submission one is would be his own uh, only path to victory i just don't maybe he'll tire cruz out and get a submission later in their fight but i mean i don't see cruz getting tired i mean he like i said he had an extremely high output in that fight high intensity fight on the contender series and then i just i mean carlisle doesn't have much experience going the decision he most of his wins are, are by uh submission and it's over pretty lower level competition and i mean I, i'm pretty impressed with cruz as well i mean he has, even has a victory over steve garcia who we're going to talk about later uh a choke over him earlier in the year earlier in 2018 so uh, i think that uh, cruz will likely win this fight i think that he keeps the fight standing he stuffs takedowns he gets off of his back and outstrikes carlisle at a pretty wide margin i mean i give a huge advantage to cruz in the feet in this one and think that he will probably knock uh, carlisle out if carlisle is not able to get the, this fight down to the floor quickly so uh, the pick is going to be cruz round two knockout and honestly at minus 185 i think there's probably some value uh, left on cruz because i would give carlisle's chances of winning this fight around 20 to 25 percent so i would cap clues cruise closer to minus 300 minus 350 so there is definitely some value in minus 185 but two debuting fighters uh, it's hard it's hard to lay that chalk but i still think that cruise is a pretty safe bet the next fight is in the featherweight division. We have TJ Brown, who is 14 and 6, taking on Jordan Griffin, who is 17 and 7. The opening betting line for this one was Griffin, the favorite, at minus 210 to Brown, plus 170. Right now, we are seeing Griffin minus 130, Brown plus 110. So much more action coming in on TJ Brown in this one. And I. Uh, totally agree with that i mean this is going to be a great fight and i definitely agree with that line movement coming in on tj brown anybody who got brown uh, at plus 150 or above that's a great great price and i honestly think the bets will cash i am picking tj brown to win this fight and it's a it's a tough pick because jordan griffin is a, a good defensive grappler he had a great fight with danny gay where he was hard to take or hard to hold down he got taken down in that fight and uh was able to get back up to his feet maybe even one round two versus ega but then was just grinded out in rounds uh one and three by ega 
But I mean, that's not a bad loss at all. I mean, Ige is really one of the best featherweights in the division right now. He's gotten so much better fight to fight, and there's no shame in that loss. But Griffin's loss to Chas Skelly, man, that is not a good loss. I mean, Skelly in 2019 is just not the same fighter he was once was, and he should be, you know, most... Uh, high-level flyweight should be, uh, take care of Skelly pretty easily, but Griffin had real trouble and lost that fight. Was getting taken down, got his back taken in all three rounds. Really struggled escaping. So, I just think that seeing that Chas Skelly able to outgrapple uh, out Griffin is just not a good sign. And I think T.J. Brown likely does the same thing here. And on the feet in this one, it should be uh, pretty even between the two. I think Brown is a little, hits a little harder, but uh, Griffin is also pretty tricky on the feet. I mean, I believe he's a southpaw. He he was uh, hitting some um, uh, Dan Ige with some hard strikes on in their fight. And I think that this fight should be really even on the feet. But on the ground is where we're going to see a big difference. Brown is really relentless with his takedowns. And he's a really good positional grappler. He he loves top position. He keeps top position. He has um, good, su good submissions. Uh, he has um, good guard passing uh, really good understanding of position and I think that that's going to be a, a key factor in this fight because Griffin's going to be exploding he's going to be trying to scramble back up to his feet but I just think that Brown is going to be one step ahead in the grappling and likely keeps Griffin on the mat and wins these rounds from top position so I'm picking the better positional grappler in which I believe to be TJ Brown and I think he I mean his cardio really impressed me in his Tuesday night contender series fight getting the third round submission in there that fight he's comfortable going the full 15 minutes with some hard grappling and you know griffin's going to be in this fight it's going to be a close fight but i mean i just think that we're going to see brown on top position more uh, maybe uh maybe griffin surprises me and is able to scramble back up to his feet and outstrike uh, Brown on the feet, but uh, I'm picking Brown in this one and think that, uh, that he will win this one by decision. So the pick is going to be Brown by decision, and we have two units on him at plus 124, which is our first official bet of the day, and uh, more to come later. And the next fight is in the heavyweight division. We have Marcin Tabura, who is 17-6, and six, taking on Sergei Spivak, who is 10-1. The opening betting line for this one was... Tabura, the favorite at minus 115. Spivak, the favorite at minus 115. I pick him fight. And right now we are seeing the odds at Spivak minus 120. Tabura plus 100. So slight favorite for Spivak now. There's definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. Starting things off with just Tabura has looked really bad lately. I think he's looked like a shell of his former self. At one point, he was a pretty decent heavyweight. He gave Verdum a five-round fight, was winning that fight versus Lewis before losing in the third round. I mean, he's had trouble giving fights away at the end there, like versus Lewis. And, you know, his past two fights have been terrible. I mean, versus Shamil Abdurman. Abdurmanov, he looked really bad. He got outboxed in that fight. He looked like physically sick in that fight. Like he, like I, I remember watching that fight and watching Tabura walk into the octagon. I, I think I bet on Shamil because he was a sweating and was like swollen in the face. And uh, I'm, I don't know if there was an official excuse for that fight, but uh, I mean, his fight next fight versus Sakai, even worse, gets knocked out in 60 seconds by Augusto Sakai, and uh, he just does not look the same he can't take a shot anymore his athleticism is bad and i've also noticed a trend in him him gaining weight he has gained weight over and over again for his past two fights 
If we look at his uh, what he weighed in at over at Tapology, gives you the weigh-ins for his most recent fights. Stefan Struve he weighed 246, Shamil 249, and then Sakai 257. So he's been steadily gaining weight his past few fights, and uh, I just do not think that's a good sign at heavyweight. And uh, Spivak, uh, on the other hand, speaking of that same trend of weight, he came in on a short notice opportunity versus Walt Harris. He got knocked out in 50 seconds. It was not a good performance from him. He weighed 250. 54.5 in that fight and his next fight his win over Tai Tuvasa he dropped 21 and a half pounds he weighed in at 233 pounds versus Tuivasa. so he definitely just got caught off guard got signed to a short notice fight wasn't in good shape got knocked out next fight took it real seriously dieted down came in in great shape and put on an amazing performance versus Tai Tuivasa. I mean the the level of skill at heavyweight is low I talk about that frequently on the podcast but for a heavyweight performance man I think that Spivak was in tremendous versus Tuivasa. I mean he knew that Tuivasa has a huge weakness on the ground. He was relentless with takedowns, hit seven takedowns in, in seven minutes versus Tuivasa, was doing all different types of takedowns, uh, lower body, uh, judo throws, uh, trips. I mean, I was really impressed with his arsenal of takedowns and eventually smashed Tuivasa on the ground and getting that uh, arm, uh, head and arm choke in round two. So I just think that Spivak is the much more physical, uh, physically fit fighter at this point. He's still got a long career ahead of him. Only one loss in, in the UFC. It was a quick knockout versus uh, Walt Harris. I think you know Harris would dust Tibera just as easily if they fought. And I think that Spivak has the much higher ceiling. I've liked what I've seen from him lately on the feet. I think that uh, Tibera should have a slight advantage because he's more technical. But I mean, with just how bad he's looked lately and the slight. Uh, I mean, I've seen a decent enough technique from Spivak to think that he um, will be competitive on the feet in this one, possibly even win the feet, and then will likely hit takedowns on Tabura. And I'm just basically picking Spivak in this fight based on the fact that he's the more athletic fighter and the fact that Tabura has looked terrible lately. So uh, I think that it's, it's a bit of a, you know, an uh, variable pick. I mean, a lot of shit could happen in this fight to change things up real quick. It is heavyweight for all. Um, so Spivak round two submission is the pick in this one. But um, in terms of a bet, I'm not rushing to bet Spivak, uh, although I would like to see how Shamil looks in the weigh-ins. I mean, if he weighs in heavy again, gaining more weight, weighs in at 265, the limit, you know, there that's a clear sign that Tabura is not healthy. And uh, I will look to bet Spivak at that point. But as of right now, no bet. But even though I think that there will be some value on Spivak minus 120. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Brendan Allen, who is 13-3, taking on Tom Breeze, who is 11-1. The opening betting line for this one was Allen, the minus 140 favorite, to Breeze plus 110. Right now, the line has flipped. We are now seeing Breeze minus 135 to Allen plus 115. So, Needless to say, more action coming in on the dog. Brees in this one, pushing him to the favorite, as he rightfully should be. I think that this is a winnable fight for Brendan Allen, but I think that he definitely should be the dog in this one. And I think that he, he will need a lot of things to go right for him. I, I think he needs early takedowns, and I mean, he would need to uh, get some really uh dominant positions on breeze to to win this fight. Because on the feet in this one, I give a pretty big advantage to, to, to breeze in this one. 
He is a southpaw striker. He's got really good boxing. I mean, some of the, some of the best boxing uh, I've seen in the UFC. I mean, he has not fought lately. Uh, he's got some uh, anxiety issues where he's been pulling out of his most recent fights. And then, you know, that's a big factor in this. Uh, it, the fight might, might not even happen. He pulled out of, I think, his past two fights, like maybe after he weighed in. So uh, hopefully this fight happens. And if, if Breeze gets to the cage on Saturday night, I'd say that he wins the fight. I don't think it'll affect him in the fight. Uh, I think, I mean, everyone gets nervous before their fights. But, I mean, he's got some, some crippling anxiety. Apparently he's doing better with it, though. And he, he's ready to fight. So I think Breeze's, I mean, jiu-jitsu is really nice. He competes in in, in high-level jiu-jitsu matches against uh, guys who compete in jiu-jitsu full-time, hold his own against them. We haven't really seen this jiu-jitsu much in the UFC, but, I mean, from those clips of the jiu-jitsu uh, from EBI and stuff like that, you know that he's got really good jiu-jitsu and that, you know, Allen looked great in his last fight. I mean, it was more so Holland looking bad, I think, that, like, Holland just... Uh, I don't know. He he might have guessed out in that fight, but I mean, he he had good cardio in his previous fights, good defensive grappling, and it just wasn't there that fight. And Brendan Allen pretty much smushed Holland on the ground and ended up getting a round two submission via rear naked choke. It was a good performance, but uh, I still think that we saw some weaknesses from him in that one. I mean, he got his back taken at some points. He got reversed by Holland, and I just think his grappling is uh, a little too sloppy for Breeze. And I think that Breeze will uh, get back up to his feet, and not be put in any bad positions on the ground and I think once it gets on the feet we should see Breeze running away with this fight with his southball striking outbox and Brendan Allen so I think that the striking differential is pretty different, uh, pretty big in this one for Breeze. The ground is pretty close. We're going to see Allen looking to get this fight to the floor pretty desperately, but I, I do not think he has success, and I think that we see Breeze win this decision. So that's going to be the pick for the fight. And Breeze at minus 135, I, I believe there is some value there. I would cap him closer to uh, minus 150, minus 170 range. Uh, you could even go honestly higher uh, if, if we had seen a little bit more of him in the octagon, but I still think he puts on a good performance and gets the win. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Gabriel Silva, who is 8-1, taking on Kyler Phillips, who is 6-1. The opening betting line for this one was Silva minus 175, Phillips plus 145. Right now we are seeing the line flip Silva minus 120 to Phillips plus 100. So some varying opening lines here. Apparently he opened uh, Silva opened minus 175 on bet online and plus 155 on five dimes. So it was a little bit of a contrast there. But right now we are seeing some two-way action on the fight, though, and a little more action on Silva's way. Actually pretty surprised at where this line is sitting at. I think that Silva should be uh, a pretty sizable favorite in this one. I, I favor him in this matchup. I mean, not much footage on either guy. I will say that is we we didn't know much about Silva coming into the UFC. He had that one fight against Bray Borg where he looked really good for the first seven eight minutes of the fight. Eventually gassed out and lost uh, rounds two and three of that fight for a decision. But round one he looked great. He got takedowns on Borg. Had a top control on Borg and won round one in the grappling versus Borg, which is just a, a tremendous accomplishment. And uh, you know, on, on the feet his striking looks pretty decent as well. Uh, Phillips, uh, he's more of a striker. He, he has good in-and-out movement. He fights from the orthodox stance. He has uh, a spitting back kick. Uh 
knockout in his last fight. It was a crazy combination. He rocked his opponent with a spinning back kick and then finished him off with a head kick. Uh, he's got some uh, some knockouts from some Travis Brown elbows recently when he was defending a takedown. And his most recent loss was to uh, Brad Katona on the, uh, the the ultimate fighter. He was calf kicked a lot and that show got taken down. He got pushed against the cage a lot and got out grappled and really outstruck by uh, Katona as well. So on the feet in this one, it should be pretty close just on the fact that there's not much footage of either guy striking. And I think that I will actually give the edge to Phillips in this one. Uh, Phillips will definitely have the better kicks. I expect Silva maybe to have the better uh, boxing of the two. But on the ground, I, I give this uh, a heavy advantage to Silva. And Silva just attempts a lot of takedowns. I mean, that's his style as he likes going for takedowns. And I can pretty much rely on him to hit takedowns in this fight because that's just how he fights consistently. So I think that Silva will hit takedowns in this fight. He will outgrapple um, Phillips in this one, or likely bank in rounds one and two. And, you know, it may be... It's a, it's a bad pick considering that Silva had a bit of trouble with his cardio last fight, but I, I'm, I'm relying on Silva to be have a, some improved cardio here, um, and I think that he will will likely win this fight. One of the biggest factors in this fight is that Phillips has has good glimpses of power on the feet. He has good uh, you know stri striking where he can knock you out, but besides that, he does not have a consistent offense. He doesn't have the style where he can bank minutes and win rounds or hit takedowns or anything like that he just doesn't have a good style for winning a decision so outside of a knockout on the feet i give this one pretty heavily an advantage to silva i think he hits takedowns here and now grapples phillips and wins this one by decision possibly even submission for silva so the pick is silva and uh, i have a two unit bet on him at minus 120 the next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have Luis Pena who is 7 and 2 taking on Steve Garcia Jr who is 11 and 3 the opening betting line for this one was Pena minus 332 Garcia plus 270 right now we are seeing Pena minus 295 to Garcia plus 235 so I was pretty surprised by this opening line I think it should definitely be a lot closer I mean Pena does have a few things going for him in this one Garcia is making his UFC debut. That's a, an advantage for Pena. Pena has also fought the full 15 minutes very frequently in the UFC. Fought against some pretty good competition. He dropped his last fight, though, to uh, Matt Frivola, although he probably should have won that fight. He won round two dominantly, won round three slightly, but unfortunately he just let the fight get too close in rounds one and three and let Frivola win that decision. Sort of a similar thing happened with Trezano, where he uh, was... Uh, winning some of that fight but eventually just lost pivotal moments and lost a split decision there he did pick up a decision victory over steven peterson and a finish a dominating finish of matt wyman in between those two losses but uh, i do think that um, pena is slightly the better overall fighter but i mean garcia is legit i mean i think these guys are neck and neck in pretty much every area of the fight and garcia is coming off of a, a, a tko of mary skull and kombachi He's coming off of a, a, T, a TKO win on the Contender Series. He just has a problem making weight. He tried fighting at 135, and as a six-foot guy, I mean, that's crazy. He's a thick guy, and, I mean, he missed weight in the Contender Series. That's why he didn't get signed. He took his next fight at featherweight last fight, and he missed weight for that, too. So not a good sign, but... 
he was in the cage six weeks ago. He's got to, you know, definitely be uh, confident in himself. He's very active. He's got uh, four wins in the past uh, year and a half or something like that. So I, I really like what I've seen from Garcia. I really love his striking style. I mean, he, he pressures you. He throws a lot of good straight punches, good front kicks. I mean, he uses his reach really well. And I think that on the feet, the, the Garcia is the more potent striker. His strikes have a little more power. And maybe it won't translate because he hits guys pretty hard at 35 and 45 maybe won't translate up to 55 uh, because Pena will definitely be the bigger fighter in there he's fought at 55 pretty regularly meanwhile Garcia this is his first fight at 55 so definitely expect Garcia to be a bit undersized but I mean these guys are tall 6'3 versus 6 foot and I think that everywhere this fight goes, as I mentioned, it will be close. I think the wrestling exchanges, the grappling exchanges will be really tight. Although Pena might have a slight advantage with him coming from a wrestling background, him training at ATT now, him having a good performance versus Frivola. Um, so I think this will be a really close fight. And as long as uh, the maybe uh, Garcia is able to stay off his back, if this fight stays standing, I think that Garcia will have the better output, will have the more effective strikes that will sway the round. So I'm actually going to pick Garcia as the uh, the big underdog in this one, plus 235 he is right now. I think he wins a real close decision in this one. I mean, Pena has a, just a terrible habit of making all of his fights close. And I think that at 3-1, to one, there's no way you can bet Pena in this spot. So I think think the value is definitely on Garcia in this one have not bet it yet but we'll probably end up with one unit on Steve Garcia because I think that despite him taking this fight on short notice despite him moving up a weight class and despite him taking on an experienced UFC fighter I think this is a good matchup for him and he will win a split decision in this one so the pick is Garcia by decision the next fight is the first fight on the main card in the featherweight division. We have Grant Dawson, who is 14-1, taking on Derek Minner, who is 24-10. The opening betting line for this one was Dawson, the favorite, at minus 405 to Minner, plus 285. Right now, we are seeing Dawson minus 470 to Minner, plus 375. So, short notice replacement fight for uh, Minner in this one. I think Dawson was supposed to take on Chas Skelly, but that fight was canceled. Minner is coming off of a contender series loss to uh, Herbert Burns in his last fight. And really frustrating performance from him. I mean, he was stuffing the takedowns uh, of Burns. It was uh, avoiding the guard pulls, looked to be winning the fight from top position, but then he just dove right into a triangle choke, and, and he got um, himself choked out. And then uh, that wasn't actually his most recent fight. He's actually had two wins since then, but that was his fight on the Contender Series over the summer. That's where most fans are going to know him from. And, I mean, I just have not seen good things from, uh, from Minner, in my opinion. I just think that he primarily relies on grappling. And I just think that Dawson is the much better grappler. I mean, Dawson's grappling is really, really legit. I mean, I was impressed with the way he beat Trezano. Uh, really impressed with the way he beat Trezano. He was getting outstruck in that fight by Trezano, but was still able to get the takedowns, mount Trezano, uh, and then get the back for the rear naked choke. So I think on the feet in this one, it should be uh, slightly close. I mean, I still favor Dawson, even, even though neither of their strikings are very good. Minner's striking is very sloppy as well. And I think 
think that uh, this fight eventually gets to the floor. Dawson probably hits takedown, smashes Minner from top position, uh, probably passes his guard, mounts him, and gets a gets a choke of his own. And I just think that the, the ground di- discrepancy between the two is just too big to think that uh, Minner has a chance in this one. So the pick is going to be Dawson to get the submission or TKO in round two. I just think he gets top position. Could, could pound Minner out or could get the sub. So uh, the pick is Dawson. I think he wears on him. And eventually gets that uh, finish in round two. So the pick is Dawson. I understand the action coming on him now. It's probably Dogger Pass where it's at. I just think there's no more value on Dawson, even though I'm sure people will be throwing him in parlays and all types of stuff like that. So uh, the pick is Dawson by round two submission. The next fight takes place in the women's featherweight division. We have Megan Anderson, who is 9-4, taking on Norma Dumont, who is 4-0. The opening betting line for this one was Anderson minus 400 to Dumont plus 300. Right now we are seeing Anderson minus 230 to Dumont plus 190. Definitely the rightful action coming in on Dumont at plus 300. Uh, Hard fight to predict, honestly, because there's so little foot footage of Dumont out there. When I mean little, I mean there's one video of her fight, and she was fighting an 0 and 2 opponent. Um, looked like she had some decent kickboxing technique. She landed some some takedowns, a little bit sloppy, but some nice body lock takedowns. Mounted her opponent, landed uh, ground and pound, and eventually uh, took her back for a rear naked choke, but. There's also one clip of her out there landing a really nice judo throw uh, from Shuto Brazil uh, from her decision victory um, over, uh, let me see this woman's name, over Mar- Marina Marais. So she is 4-0. Uh, the women that she has beaten are, are not very good. They don't have much experience, but she's won two decisions and two fights by Bru Nikachoke. So it seems like grappling is her, primarily, uh, her primary um base and we we know megan anderson she's fought in the ufc a few times before fought over in invicta and she's a pretty linear fighter you know she she tends to keep the fight standing she wants to uh keep it striking and land her big right hands she she does have some pretty decent striking techniques she's got good power for the weight class she really roughed up uh charmaine tweet on the feet and got a tko finish and then her fight against Felicia Spencer, though, bad, bad performance. I mean, she came out, hit Spencer with a few right hands, got taken down, got her back taken, and got tapped out in three minutes. And she bounced back with a nice performance over uh, Zara Ferrindo Santos in her last fight. Um, got a takedown, mounted her, and even got a triangle on, on Zarin in that fight. So it was a pretty a pretty weird finish. You won't, wouldn't expect uh, Anderson to get a submission victory, especially a triangle, when she was getting bumped off a mount. But, I mean, that just shows how bad uh, Fern Dos Santos' grappling is. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. That will come into play in the co-main event. But just... So hard fight to predict, as I mentioned, because there's so little footage, but just based off the fact that I've seen that one fight of Dumont, seeing that her style seems to be jiu-jitsu, there's footage of her competing in jiu-jitsu competitions from a few months ago, so jiu-jitsu is definitely her base, and with how weak Anderson's grappling game is, I mean, that plus 185 is tempting, because... Anderson is kind of a, a, a mental midget. She does not like getting taken down. She does not, uh, I don't know. I see a lot of people out there questioning you know, her mentality towards fighting. She tends to rely, rely on that early finish. And you never really know how good her, her cardio is going to be going into late in the fight. She got taken down and out grappled by Holly Holm in her UFC debut. So 
Anderson's got a lot of weaknesses, and you, there's no way you can bet Anderson as a favorite in this fight. You know, anybody who's got a bet on Anderson money line, I mean, seriously, that's a sweat even before the fight even started. Because, I mean, one takedown and the bet could be a wrapped up. So, I mean, though, Dumont is the clear, clear value side in this fight. Anybody who jumped in on her, plus 300, plus 200, incredible bet. I think even at plus 185, there's a good bet. Uh, I mean, you might want to bet some a Dumont submission, but I honestly think Dumont could win this fight via decision submission I don't think either of them will get a knockout maybe Anderson will if she can keep this fight standing and there might be a bigger discrepancy on the feet than we than we can see but Dumont's striking technique is good enough that I think that she can hang on the feet and not get totally wiped out by Anderson and I think that she is the better grappler and will likely look to hit takedowns get top position and look to submit Anderson on the floor so I think that the value is on Dumont, and I'm actually going to pick Dumont to win this fight, despite having that very little footage of her. I just think that Anderson has got too many holes in her game, and I think that Dumont likely surprises us and shows up uh, ready to perform in this fight and gets the victory. I'm going to go with Decision and uh, picking Dumont here. No bet on her yet, but we'll likely look to, add, to bet her if she stays around this uh, plus over plus 150 area. The next fight is in the light heavyweight division. We have... Ian Kutaleba, who is 15-4, taking on Magomed Ankalaev, who is 12-1. The opening betting line for this one was Ankalaev minus 400, Kutalaba plus 300. Right now we are seeing Ankalaev minus 220 to Kutalaba plus 180. So more action coming in on Ankalaev. Or, or excuse me, more action coming in on Kudalaba, and that's that's the right full side of things. I mean, plus three hundred was definitely a little bit wide. It's light heavyweight. These guys are gonna probably trade on the feet. Kudalaba's got legit power, and I think that I mean he has a window to win this fight. It's a small window. I think it's by round one knockout. I don't rate his chances too high, maybe around 20-25%, and after that, I mean, his he has a steep cardio drop-off, I don't see him winning two out of three rounds, I mean, round two, his cardio fell off big time versus Glover, he was in Glover with some big shots, rocking him in round one, dropped him in round one, but round two, started feeling that cardio dump right away, was getting outstruck by Glover, was doing a great job stuffing the takedowns, actually, he went seven for seven stuffing takedowns versus uh, Glover Teixeira, which is a good feather in the cap of Kudalaba, honestly, so he eventually got taken down throwing a kick or just fell off balance throwing a kick, and you know, it, he the second he fell on his butt, you could tell that he, he was done mentally. Glover got on top, passed his guard, mounted him, and choked him out for the finish, so Kudalaba's got major issues with his cardio, uh, and he's kind of a front runner. He's, I mean, really all he does is just power strike for, for one round, and that's how he got Khalil Roundtree out of their last performance. But, I mean, that was a sloppy, sloppy performance from Roundtree. Uh, I mean, just a sloppy from both guys. I mean, Kudalaba was so loose on the ground. like There was so much space in between him and Roundtree, and he was winding up these big ground-and-pound shots. And, uh, you know, Roundtree just couldn't get up, couldn't create any space, just had no grappling technique and was kind of wilting from the pressure of, of uh, Kudalaba. Ankalaev won't do the same. Getting over to Ankalaev, I mean, I'm really impressed with this guy. I'm a huge fan of him. I honestly think he's one of the best light heavyweights in the world right now. And would honestly probably pick him to beat John Jones straight up if they fought uh, at any time soon. So, I mean, his striking technique is really, really good. I mean, for a big guy, I think he's he's probably got some of the best striking uh, above 170 pounds. I mean, I'm talking all the middleweights, all the heavyweights, all the light heavyweights. This guy's he's uh, southpaw. He throws good punches. He's got counter punching skills 
great boxing technique, extremely hard kicks. He's hard to take down. Uh, he has some reversals off the off the ground. I mean, Craig, Paul Craig took him down. He was able to reverse position and dominate that fight until he got tapped out in the last second. I mean, besides that last second uh, triangle choke from Ankalaev, I mean, he's had nearly a perfect career. I mean, I was just watching his fight with Marcinin Prochnio when he counterpunched him with the right hand, rocked him, and finished him off with the left kick. I mean, brutal finish. He's got precise striking, his accuracy, counterpunching. I mean, a really big fan of Magomed and Kalaev. And I honestly think that he probably styles on Kudalaba here. I mean, on the feet, Kudalaba is going to be coming forward with heavy pressure, throwing bombs. But I think Ankalaev just has way too solid defense. He's been, he's been in the cage with tons of heavy hitters before, and he's dealt with them accordingly. And I think that he will likely do so here. I honestly think that Ankalaev likely finishes Kudalaba with a counter strike of some sort. Maybe he looks to take Kudalaba down. Uh, even though Kudalaba, I think that would be a bad, uh, a bad strategy for him because Kudalaba's uh, defensive grappling is getting actually a little bit better as we saw versus Glover. So I think the best course of action for Ankalaev would be to keep the standing. Uh, avoid those big loopy power, power punches from Kudalaba and uh, look to uh, look to outstrike him, counter punch him, and look to land his own knockout. But I mean, Kudalaba is dangerous for that first round. I mean, he throws spinning stuff, he throws crazy strikes from all angles. He's definitely dangerous in round one. And I mean, a perfect way to play this fight, I believe, is is bet uh, Ang or Kudalaba round one knockout, which was at plus eight hundred over on Fanduel, which is through Betfair. They steal their odds through Betfair. Fanduel is a, a sports book available to some people in the United States. So Kudalaba plus eight hundred on their first round knockout, and then Ankalaev money line at minus two twenty. That's a great way to play this fight because Ankalaev could win it by knockout submission in any round he could win by decision meanwhile I think Kudalaba can only really win by knockout probably in the first five to seven minutes so uh, the pick in this one is Ankalaev I'm gonna go with a second round knockout from him I think he probably counter punches Kudalaba and puts him out it's gonna be a really fun fight while it lasts probably ends by knockout uh, and the pick for this one is going to be Ankalaev and at minus 220 I do think there is some value on Ankalaev and with that round one hedge as the TKO I think it's a great way to play this fight. The next fight is the co-main event of the evening in the women's featherweight division. We have Felicia Spencer, who is seven and one, taking on Zara Farine Dos Santos, who is six and three. The opening betting line for this one was Spencer, the favorite, at minus six twenty-five to Farron at plus four fifty. Right now, we are seeing Spencer minus eight ten to Farron plus five fifty-five. So, massive, massive favorite for Felicia Spencer in this one. Usually, I say based on principle, women's MMA fights shouldn't be this much of a favor, but this is a rare example where I think the line is justified, and I won't spend too much time in this fight because it's a pretty simple fight to break down. Zara Farine made her UFC debut, got taken down, mounted, dominated, and eventually triangle choked by Megan Anderson in the first round in four minutes. Now, if Anderson was able to do that to her, and Felicia Spencer was able to take down Mount and rear naked choke Anderson in three minutes, I mean, there, this is a pretty clear-cut example of why M where MMA math should work. I mean, Spencer's a black belt on the ground. She's five times as good as Anderson, and Anderson was five times as good as Farron in that fight on the ground. So I'm expecting Spencer to be 
five levels ahead of Farron on the ground. I mean, we're talking about a black belt versus a white belt here in, in this fight. And, I mean, on the feet even, it should be pretty close. I mean, Spencer is it comes forward. She throws punches. She's from a Taekwondo background. She hung on the feet with a Cyborg, ate some big shots. I mean, she was able to eat some massive punches from Cyborg. And Cyborg is one of the hardest hitters at 45, so I give Farron like a 0% chance of landing a knockout on this on the feet in this one. I give her a very, very low chance of stuffing takedowns, like a 5-10% chance of stuffing takedowns. And unless Spencer keeps this fight standing and tries to work on her kickboxing technique or something like that, I mean, I think that she dominates, gets the takedown, submits her in round one. So, I mean, this is a clear-cut fight for Spencer, black belt versus white belt on the ground. I expect Spencer to take her down and submit her in, honestly, 90 seconds. So, the pick is Spencer in this one. I think that Spencer at round one at plus money is a great bet i hit that for three units at plus 125 tweeted that out uh, on my twitter account that Im I, that implies that her chances are around um uh, i think 46 percent. i mean i honestly think that spencer's chances of a first round finish are around 60 percent uh, I think there's a 60% chance she submits her in one, maybe 20% in round two. If she doesn't finish her in round two, she's probably not finishing in round three, and then maybe a 20% of a decision. So, like, I mean, I honestly give Farron, like, a 5% chance to win this fight. It's just such, such a mismatch. And uh, we're looking to get uh, Spencer plus money at that round one. Uh, hopefully she is, comes out aggressive and gets this fight over with like she did against Anderson. Uh, my only worry is that this Farron will be such a little of a threat on the feet that Spencer decides to keep the fight standing just to work on her stand up a little bit and keeps it striking. Uh, but Spencer round one submission is the pick. And in the main event of the evening, for the vacant flyweight UFC championship, we have Joseph Benavidez, who is 28-5, taking on Divison Figueredo, who is 17-1. The opening betting line for this one was Benavidez, the minus 165 favorite to Figueredo, plus 135. Right now, we are seeing Benavidez, minus 140 to Figueredo, plus 120. So... The early action came in on Benavidez. He was hovering around minus 160. Then some major action came in on D Davison Figueredo around last Sunday, February 16th. Uh, Benavidez went from minus 150 to minus 125 in like one bet. So, I mean, some huge money must have been placed on Figueredo in that fight. Um, I mean, Benav the action's been creeping in on both guys uh, right now. I mean, earlier in the week, apparently, Benavidez was back up to minus 125. He went to minus 115 at one point. And now we are seeing Benavidez back at minus 140. So a lot of action coming in on this fight. It's a two-way action type of fight. And there's a great reason. It's because this is one of the best fights that could ever take place in the UFC, honestly. I mean, these guys are so high level. The flyweights are so good. And both of these guys are, are fighting at such a high level right now. I cannot wait for this fight. It's going to be so good. And uh, Figueredo is coming off of two nice wins. A decision victory where he outstruck Pantoja, who was hurting him bad in that fight. Stuff and takedowns avoiding the back takes tremendous performance versus pantoja that not so great of a performance against elliot was kind of getting out volumed on the feet it was a close striking battle on the feet it was getting the leg kicked a lot before 
Uh, Tim Elliott just dove for a takedown and got guillotined by uh, Davison Figueredo in that one in round one. So that, I mean, that's a bad sign for Figueredo is because he loves jumping that guillotine. I mean, in his fight versus Jared Brooks, he jumped guillotine four times. Jared Brooks popped his head out all four times. Figueredo definitely lost that fight, lost rounds one and two of the fight. And uh, I mean, Brooks should have gotten that decision, although it was a close fight overall. Uh, I had Brooks win in rounds one and two of that fight, but the judges in Brazil robbed him of, of it. Figueroa got taken down a lot in that fight. He was going for guillotines, couldn't get off of his back, and just spent too much time on his back uh, in the, in the versus Brooks, who's a tremendous wrestler. His most recent loss was to Formiga when he was also taken down a few times in that fight, struggled with the jiu-jitsu, the top control of Formiga, and was just not able to escape the bottom position from Formiga a few times in that fight. And uh, Formiga won round one and two pretty easily in takedowns, and round three kind of just... Um, conceded a little bit just backed up the entire round and even one judge gave him that round so figurito is dangerous in rounds one and two on the feet i think his power kind of drops off pretty heavily after that and that's going to be his window to win this fight versus benavidez uh figurito is going to try to have to win in rounds one and two by knockout and he very well could i mean i think that one of the biggest factors in this fight is is benavidez's defense and he has a, a bad tendency of of leaping into combinations and leaving his head out there a little bit he tends to leave with his head leave his chin exposed and uh you know it got him caught versus uh, sergio pettis and uh it's been a, a problem for him in the past you know he got knocked out by demetrius johnson years back in his last title fight but i mean his striking is still so effective he fights from the outside he throws leaping combinations where he throws great leg kicks hard body kicks good punches i mean he, he rocked uh figurito or he rocked formiga with a head kick and punches and eventually knocked him out in round two of that fight he knocked out alex perez in round one he had an amazing fight with dustin ortiz back and forth grappling fight where he was able to get top position more in rounds one and two win that fight uh, just a tremendous fight versus Dustin Ortiz. He has got the cardio to grapple for the full fight. Uh, he gets stronger as the fight goes. That Sergio Pettis fight, he dropped round one. And then round two and three, he came back strong. Most of the people scored rounds one, two and three for uh, Benavidez in that one. And uh, it was a close split decision. So, I mean, Joe's last loss comes against Sergio Pettis. It was a split decision loss. It, he was coming off a knee surgery, ACL surgery, first fight back from that. And the fight was razor, razor thin. I mean, the strikes, total strikes were 87 to 86 for Pettis with one strike advantage. I mean, round one, he, uh, he got dropped. He came back well at the end of the round. He arguably won round one despite getting dropped. Round two was a bit of a closer round. Benavidez was coming a real aggressive going for takedowns got most of his takedowns stuffed in that fight and uh and then round three abandoned the takedowns and was just pressing the strike into one round three on that fight so it was a great performance from benavidez despite him losing a close decision and i mean getting down to the matchup in this one i mean it, it, like i said figurito's window to win is rounds one and two is when he has that power when benavidez is is still getting settled into the fight when his chin might be out there a little bit when he's throwing combinations you don't want to let joe benavidez start figuring out start timing you start looking to hit takedowns because if he starts hitting takedowns versus figurito he should run away with the fight and one thing i will say about benavidez's takedowns are when he chases them when he has the objective of getting the takedown he doesn't wrestle the best he tends to get stuffed a little bit he might telegraph his shots a little bit 
But when he hits reactive takedowns, when he's striking with you and he ducks under and hits that level change, he's got some of the best timing and the best takedowns in the UFC. And that's how Formiga was able to take him down. He just waited till Davison swung big punches, big powerful combinations, and then would level change and, and get that takedown. So I think that's what Joe Benavides will look to do here. He will look to take down Figueredo early, get him frustrated, tire him out a little bit, take away some of that power, and then look to outstrike him later in the rounds. And I think if this fight gets out of round two, the chances of Benavides winning jump to about 80%. I just don't think Figueredo will have the power to to uh, to rock him, to knock him out in rounds three, four, and five. And I don't think Figueredo will be able to win the rounds in rounds three, four, and five because his volume and his power diminish is pretty significantly so if Figueroa does not get that knockout in rounds one and two i think that benavidez runs away with the fight and wins the championship in this one so getting down to how i exactly cap this fight i think that Figueroa's chances of winning rounds one and two are around 27 percent 25 27 percent i give him about a 10 percent chance to win the decision so that's Figueroa with 37 percent chance to win i give joe b a 63 percent chance to win his most likely path to victory would be a finish in sometime rounds two three or four i give that around a 35 percent uh outcome and then he has a 28% chance to win the decision. So uh, I'm, I'm leaning Joe B in this one. I'm a big fan of Benavidez, big fan of Figueredo, definitely a bigger fan of Benavidez. I mean, the guy's been in the UFC for so long. He's been at the top elite level for years now, and uh, he's finally getting another chance at the UFC title. It would be a great story to see him win the title. I mean, I honestly think he's one of the best fighters in the UFC to never win a title. But I mean, you cannot disrespect Davison Figueredo. I mean, it could be his time. It very well could be. I mean, the guy's been improving a lot lately. He's been looking better fight to fight. I mean, he, that after that loss to Formiga, he bounced right back with probably his best overall performance against Pantoja. And he has a path to victory in this fight. I mean, the guy's got dynamite in his hands. He's got uh, great upwards elbows. He throws elbows from the range really well. He's hard to take down. He's hard to hold down. He's got incredible athleticism and durability and power. I mean, it's going to be an incredible fight between these two gentlemen. It's going to be technique versus power. Benavidez versus Figueredo, I cannot wait uh, for this fight. Five rounds to claim the new flyweight champion. I think Benavidez is getting it done. I think the my official prediction is going to be Benavidez to get that knockout in round three. He's going to wear down Figueredo. Figueredo's power is going to uh, disintegrate a little bit, and Benavidez is going to pick up the pace and he's going to get that knockout just like he did versus Formiga once he starts to wilt. So. That is my official prediction. Joe Benavidez, round three knockout, was able to bet him at minus 125 for three units. Will likely look to hedge on, or, or have already hedged a bit on F Davison Figueroa by knockout at plus 450 because I believe that is his best path to victory here. It would be the knockout. So um, that is going to do it for this card. Uh, the official bets I have so far are two units on TJ Brown. Two units on Gabriel Silva. Uh, we are three units on Spencer round one. Three units on Benavidez money line, and uh, about one unit on Figueroa knockout to hedge that uh, Benavidez action. So uh, we'll likely look to bet Tom Breeze later. Might uh, bet uh, Ankalaev money line. Kudalaba round one. Might bet Dumont uh, plus one ninety. So uh, we'll look to add uh, some more bets for this car, and I will update all of those bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. I went four for five last week on picks uh, with a three-unit profit for the day. 
uh, and it was a great card last week, and we'll look to make it another uh, successful, profitable card this one. Thank you all for tuning in to episode 93 of the Martian MMA podcast, and I will see you all next week before UFC 248. Peace. Thank you.